There we go. Okay, so um, Jim, Jim Sloan is our uh, featured uh, speaker today, and um, whoever was at the men's retreat, uh, Jim shared last time, but a lot of guys don't always get to go out or might not have been able to attend this year, so Jim's going to share his, his, uh, his message. A um, little bit on Jim, and I'm going to turn it over to him. Jim's a Philly guy, born in Philly, raised in Ben Salem, went to Bishop Egan High School, uh, quick stint over at Steubenville University in Ohio, but then back to Drexel, and he works in Wayne, PA, so he's about as Philly as it gets. Um, married to Sharon, you know Sharon, she's on staff here with, with two wonderful uh, grown kids, and, and uh, his talk today is going to be on growing through adversity. So Jim, I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. Welcome Jim Sloan. Thanks, Tom. Hey guys, uh, just a quick show of hands just so I know, you know, what to kind of skim through and what to spend a little more time on. Who was at the men's retreat? Okay, so about half the guys. All right, um, so I guess everybody else, you're going to get the full-blown testimony, right? Don't want to rip anybody off here today, so. Um, guys, um, before we get started, too, if we can just pray. Um, I know a lot of you here know Angel Cortez. Um, he was here at our last men's breakfast. Like I, I literally sat right next to him at the table, met him for the first time, and he was talking to us about his kidney dialysis. And, um, you know, he, he was showing me the big vein on his left arm that they used to put the dialysis in. He said, here, feel this. And I, I just, you know, my, my Lord, two days later, I mean, so many other things I would have said to him, you know, had I known that was the last time, you know, that, that I was going to see him. But um, great guy. In, in the few minutes that I met him, you know, guy full, full of compassion and love. You can just tell what a gentle spirit he had, what the love for people that he had. So um, if we can just, you know, just take a moment of silence, maybe, you know, 15 or 20 seconds, just pray for him on your own and his family, um, you know, his family mostly, obviously. Um, he's with the Lord, so, you know, we're thankful for that. Um, but for his wife, Cindy, you know, his daughter, Jess, his mom, Marta, he left a lot of, he was a young guy, right, relatively young guy, so... Um, let's just pray for him as we get started, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll get into my testimony, okay? Father God, we just uh, come before you through your precious Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your grace in our lives. Um, we know that you're on, on the throne Lord, and that um, there's nothing that happens in our lives and in the circumstances of our lives that's outside of your sovereignty, God. But, um, you know, many in this room know New, New Angel really, really well, um, you know, and, and miss him, Lord. Uh, he, he was just here last, last month with us, God, and then suddenly gone. Um, life is a vapor. Let that be a reminder to us um, just to take every opportunity, Lord, not just to be an epistle for you, Lord, but to really love on each other um, and, and to build each other up and to make, make our words meaningful to one another because we, we don't know, Lord, when the, when the next time we might, might see each other. And so, Lord, we lift up his family, um, his wife, Cindy, Lord, his daughter, Jess, and her family, his mom, Marta, um, and just the entire you know, Cortez family, Lord, as they, I'm sure, continue to grieve, um, you know, especially this time of year, Lord in the holidays, Lord. So we just uh, lift our family to you, be present with them in their grief, and, and just comfort them, Lord. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you. I pray, God, that as I speak, Lord, that uh, you put your words in my mouth, Lord, your message in my heart, Lord, and um, just that I might have your thoughts to share with these brothers of mine here at Grace Point today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so, guys, I guess the last time I, I talked... Um, Daryl had asked me to share a little bit about my, is this on guys? Okay. Um, you know, a little bit about my um, background and my salvation story prior to getting into actually what God did transformatively in my life, you know, more recently, um, back, back in April when I was hospitalized for that whole month of, of April, pretty much, uh, you know, at Doylestown Hospital for COVID. So my testimony, growing up, I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, went all through Catholic school, St. Charles Barmeo, Bishop Egan High School. The, I, was in, I was an older boy, so I was, I was very Catholic, as Catholic as you can get, Holy Name Society. Um, and 
I guess, um, you know, by the time I got to high school, I, you know, was kind of more like, more or less just going through the motions. I, you know, pretty much lived the party Friday nights, go to confession on Saturday, you know, you know, just so that I can receive communion on, on Sunday. Um, so it was more or less, you know, kind of going through the motions. But I did get a scholarship, um, an academic scholarship to the University of Steubenville um, after I graduated from, from Bishop Egan, um, mainly because that school was run by the same order of Franciscans, and so they offered a scholarship to, to one uh, Egan grad every year. And I went to that school pretty much with the intention of just getting my engineering degree and kind of getting out. The, the, the school was a, largely a, um, a, liberal, a small liberal arts college, but what it was known for it was, a, it was a big Playboy school in the 60s, but, you know, a, you know, Father Scanlon came in and changed the whole dynamic of the school and brought the charismatic renewal into, into Steubenville and into the university. And so it was known for the charismatic renewal. And for those that, of you who don't, aren't, aren't that familiar with that, if you're familiar with the Pentecost, Pentecostal denomination, um, the, you know, the charismatic renewal is kind of like the Pentecostal movement, like within the Catholic Church. It's, it's recognized, it's blessed by the papacy, and there's a huge focus on the gifts of the Spirit. Um, speaking in tongues, slain in the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. Um, and not that I necessarily would prescribe, um, you know, I am a cessationist. You know, I, I do believe that the gifts, all the gifts are for today. But I do believe that, you know, certain, certain of the gifts are abused at times. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily prescribe to all, all of the things that I saw happening there. And it all was kind of weird and googly to me to begin with. I wasn't there. Uh, for that reason, but I ended up in the engineering science program at a small liberal arts college. There were only four of us, myself, Bill, Marianne, and Sarah, and they were there for the renewal. They were there for the spiritual environment. I was there to get my degree and get out. Um, that really is, is, becomes meaningful and pivotal in my testimony because, you know, I, I was really sort of the, the devil of the group and always antagonizing everybody, but eventually they were all for me. The Lord worked through them, and I saw the sincerity of their faith. Um, you know, spending time in the Word, spending time on Saturdays, uh, worshiping, um, you know, praying a lot, weren't cursing, weren't, you know, living for all the sort of carnal reasons that I was so used to. And eventually, you know, that broke down, and I, um, you know, kind of became open. I'm like, God, I'll, I'll be open to this. And then one night, um, it was, it was the eve of Halloween, um, and I was 19 years old, and it was in 1983 on October 30th, and I, I think the Lord, you know, gave me that day so that I can say the rest of my life that I wasn't saved on Halloween, but, um, he, he, he blessed me and brought me to a point where I was looking at the cross in, in my dormitory, wondering, you know, realizing for the first time why I needed a Savior. You know, I always thought as a Catholic it was kind of grandiose for God to have to send his son, like, you know, and become one of us. And I, I wasn't quite getting the message that, you know, without, you know, without the, without the spilling of blood, there's no remission for sin. I wasn't getting that, that, that's, that there need to be an atone, atonement for my sin in order for me to get to heaven. But looking up at that cross, convulsing, crying, um, I realized for the first time what Jesus had did for me and why absolutely every single person needs a washing of that sin in order to, to gain entrance to, to, to life eternal, to be with Jesus. Um, so it, I, I'm thankful for that time in my life. Um, from there, I came back home. Again, my family was very Catholic and, you know, they were somewhat, I was kind of disillusioned at the experience because they kind of were happy where they were at in terms of you know, uh, you know, kind of status quo, and kind of thought that I was a kook, and, you know, wanted, you know, nothing to do with what I was involved with, and didn't understand the language of being saved. Um, you know, so I, I became pretty alienated from my family at that time. My girlfriend at the time thought I was radically departed, you know, because I, I, we had broken up, and then she was in counseling, and, you know, there's a psychological term called radically departed, which basically means that you've left everything you've grown up with and you're in some cult is really what it means. So I wasn't being gotten at all by my family, my, my girlfriend. And so I kind of started hopping around at different churches, 
You know, one of the churches that I attended, you know, for a while was Evangelical Presbyterian in, in Levittown. And it, it ends up years later that that's, that's now Restoration Church, you know, our church plant. So it's really interesting how God works these things out. Um, but I, I really, I was searching. I spent six months studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I came this close to being, becoming a Jehovah's Witness. Um, you know, and how scary that is to be denying, the, you know, the very sovereignty of Christ. Um, but God spared me from that. But I, 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 I was in this period of time where I kind of got backslidden. I got reengaged, you know, to my high school sweetheart, and I kind of went back to Catholicism for a while. But, you know, it, it wasn't a great situation. Um, just through a, the course of different circumstances, a friend of mine from EP really encouraged me to try this church, Calvary Chapel. So I went with my friend Joe, who later was the best man at my wedding, and we went and, you know, sat under Joe's teaching, Joe Foch's teaching, and, and we loved it. I, I, I loved the verse-by-verse teaching. I loved, you know, I, I felt the Lord was speaking to me. And really that started a, a very long tenure at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, um, where I met my wife, Sharon, my lovely wife. And, um, you know, that was uh, back in 1989, 1990, where we met. And then we were married in, in 1992. Um, and very, very much involved in ministry at Calvary Chapel, Everything, she was on the worship team, everything from, in fact, with, with Kenny Martinez here, who also, was also on the worship team. Um, you know, and we were in children's ministry together. We, you know, we were in marriage mentoring, so we were very active in ministry at Calvary. Um, our kids came along. Uh, my son Josh is here today. Uh, he's now 21. Uh, my daughter, Gabrielle. Um, and we were just like, had everything that a family would want, you know, living in Newtown, had good jobs. Um, but then, you know, sort of some complacency set in, some outside trauma set in. Um, there was, a, there was a, some circumstances external to our family and marriage that really weighed hard on us. A, a lot of external trauma, um, and it really started to challenge us, challenge our marriage, challenge our family, our parenting style. Um, and we got kind of what I would call into, particularly me, you know, I think this impacted my wife as well, you know, in some ways more even significantly than me. But for me, I kind of got into what I would call an unholy rut. Um, you know, I was, I was very dissatisfied with, with work. Um, you know, I, I, you know we, we had started also at the time, the Lord was telling us to, you know, maybe move us on to another church. But we were having trouble finding another church, um, visiting a few, visited Grace Point a few times. Um, you know, again, difficulty with parenting, some differences of opinion around p- parenting. Um, marriage, you know, some marriage challenges and issues that were kind of cropping up, you know, some from our past, um, some that we were causing due to issues of our, of our own, um, some financial issues. So there was a whole array of things that were happening that was kind of sort of depressing us and, and, and kind of working against me and the spirit that I really should have as a believer. Um, and so in that holy rut, that's when God, God brought um, this disease, COVID. Um, and, you know, guys, just even going into this, I just want to say that I wouldn't change a single thing that happened. I wouldn't give away all of the pain and the anguish and the adversity because of what it produced in my life and what I saw it produce in my wife's life and my son and my daughter. It was transformative, really, for all of us. So with that, I'm going to get into the core, um, you know, the, the core message of my, of my testimony. <laughs> Growing through adversity. Um, how am I doing on time so far, Tom? You're fine. Okay. Um, so, my prognosis. I, I wanted to throw up a few pictures here. Um, I wasn't looking too good, and I wasn't in, in that great a shape. And when I went into the hospital after having um, contracted COVID in March, um, Sharon and I and my son Josh were on a, a trip out to see my daughter, visit her at Cedarville University. Um, and, you know, we, we tested positive out there. Sharon started to show some symptoms. We decided to get tested. And on the 18th, the day after her birthday and the day before mine, um, we're both the same, same age. So, you know, this is our 57th birthday. Um, you know, we were diagnosed with COVID. And, you know, that changed the plans for the weekend. We had to come home early. We flew my son home on a plane so he wouldn't be in the car with us. Sharon was very symptomatic and wore a mask. Um, you know, but we were, had both already, you know, been exposed, so we were kind of in this together. But I wasn't showing any symptoms right away. Um, Sharon's symptoms 
you know, she had fever, she you know, had some of the standard symptoms, but it didn't get um, terrible for her, right? It was, it was manageable, it was sort of over-the-counter medicine. Um, for me, my symptoms didn't start showing up probably until that, that Tuesday. Like we were, you know, that Monday or Tuesday when I first started getting symptoms, and I started to get a fever and the, and the cough, and um, that progressed that week. Um, by that Thursday, I was like on the phone with my, you know, my, my family doctor saying, you know, Paul, Paul we gotta, we got to do something. I mean, so he prescribed steroids, antibiotics. Um, no, nothing really was helping me. That Sunday, I made it through that weekend. That Sunday night, I remember watching an episode of Blacklist and then I actually was working on a presentation, big presentation for work. All through that, the fever and that, you know, because, you know, it, it needed to be done. So I was working on this presentation on Sunday, watched Blacklist and, you know, which is in, it's, our TV is in our basement, um, at least, you know, the big TV. So I couldn't, I barely even made it up, up the steps. Like I, you know, this was, you know, probably 11, 11 12 o'clock at night coming up after watching that, that show. Um, I had to sit like in the, on the bathroom toilet after going through two flights for like 20 minutes just to get my breath. So we knew something was really, really wrong. Um, the next morning, you know, on the phone with, with my doctor and my wife conference and we realized it was time for me to go to the hospital. So when I was admitted, <clears throat> I wasn't in great shape and no one was telling me about my prognosis, but you can tell, you know, how you're being treated and how doctors are talking to you. The outlook was not good. And, and I found out later that um, I really only had about a, a 5% chance to live. Had it happened a year earlier, when they knew less about COVID, I probably would have only had about a 2% chance. But while I was there, I, you know, a 43-year-old, you know, obese woman passed away. My obesity at the time, I went in at 286 pounds, was contributing to the problem. Um, you know, it's it just much more difficult for people that are, that are overweight to deal with, with COVID. Um, you know, and honestly, uh, you know, th th there was just a lot of lack of optimism about, about my condition. So I was in this situation, I was in isolation. I still had COVID, I still had the active virus, so they put me in isolation, I was by myself, um, you know, in pain because of the coughing, not able to breathe on a, on a um, you know, 55 liters of, of oxygen, you know, through a large, you know, tube, as you can see, that was when I first went into the hospital. Um, that week, you know, I, when I went in, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, praying a lot about what it is, um, you know, that, that you, know, what, you know, not just the circumstances that brought me here, but um, this might be it. I'm thinking I'm, I might die from this. This might be the very end. And I remember on that Wednesday, I went in on Monday, but on Wednesday, in tears, Wednesday afternoon, I was meditating uh, on the Word and on, 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 the, on the Lord and um, just saying to him, Lord, you know, my life's in your hands. I live for your pleasure. Um, you know, you created me. If it's my time, I'm not going to argue with that. And, but I was thinking, of course, of my wife, my, my children, Josh and Gabrielle, and I'm like, I, you know, obviously I want to be around for them. And I started to pray, Lord, um, you know, I know you could, you know, heal me. I know you could. Um, and he stopped me in my tracks. Honestly, you know, not audibly, but very, very deep in my spirit, the Lord said, you know, Jim, I don't want you to pray like that. Not this time. Not if I could. I want you to pray I want you to believe that I will, <coughs> know that I would. And I said, okay, Lord, if this is, if this is you, I, you know, I surrender. You know? And he was clearly asking me to step out of the boat, eyes on him, step out in faith, and trust that he would heal me. So I said, Lord, I believe it. I believe that you will heal me. I don't know how, but, but you're going to pull me through this. And, and I, just, just, I just said, Lord, I, my full faith is in you, and... Um, I trust that you're going to heal me. So um, through that prompting, you know, I, I, had, I started to gain some, some confidence about my situation, even though medically I was not doing good. But I started to have some peace and trust that the Lord was going to, I didn't know what steps that I would be going through. Um, but that was the week before Easter. This was Wednesday, and it was Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then it was Easter Sunday. And I just remember, you know, spending the time in the, in, the, in the hospital, going through the Gospels, the various passion accounts, because, you know, they're all a little different. And, you know, just, 
thinking about and meditating on what the Lord suffered for us, right? You know, the, the agony, the trial, the abuse, and, and, and just the agony of the cross itself. And not, none of us will ever understand, really, I think, fully what he went through on our behalf. And we won't really, this side of eternity, understand, if we ever will. But I know that on that cross, he had trouble breathing, right? He was nailed to the cross. To take a breath, he had to push down on the spikes, right, just to get air. So um, in that, I'm like, Lord, okay, thank you. I, I was honored that I could get a little bit of a taste. The Lord was already starting to do a transformation work, and I was actually becoming, I know it sounds crazy, but thankful for where I was because, you know, it was almost a sweet, uh, just a fellowship of suffering um, where, where in this deep valley that, that I was. Um, I started to have a mountaintop experience. Like the Lord was starting to do a transformative work in my life. And I, and I really just, you know, even now, I was just telling, telling the guys at the table, I don't long for the hospital. I long for the Jesus of the hospital. I mean, I, I just, if there's such a thing, I really felt hyper-connected to the Lord and just very open to the work that he was, he was going to do in my life. But... Um, I just remember the Lord, you know, and, and many believe that he died of asphyxiation. Some, you know, th you know, theologians, historians think that it may have been a heart attack. Whatever it was, I know that he had difficulty breathing. And so I, I just remember texting Sharon. It's like, Lord, I, you know, Sharon, I, in one sense, I feel honored that I, that I can taste a little bit, tiny, tiny bit, maybe, of, of what he went through. And just became so overly, overly thankful for, for what he did. Anyway, on Friday, I was watching the Jesus Story. I don't know if any of you have ever been out to Sight and Sound in Lancaster. Amazing, amazing show. Um, I remember watching that and just being moved by, um, again, the, just the passion account. But, um, you know, I just remember him saying to me, it's Friday, Jim, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And to me, he was telling me, you know, I'm in the middle, you know, of this death, near-death experience, and he's going to resurrect me out of this situation. That's what Sunday is all about, resurrection. And so, and he was resurrecting me out of a kind of a dead situation I was in, in that, you know, out of that unholy rut as well. Um, so, um, fast forward to Tuesday. Oh, no, actually, I don't want to skip this part. Saturday, um, I, I still was not doing good. Um, I went to sleep Saturday night, and my oxygen levels while asleep dropped to 73. Now, I don't know if any of you guys know what that means, but, you know, a healthy person with healthy lungs, 98, 99, 100 is what they should be. A person who smokes cigarettes all their life, a pack a day, their oxygen levels are around 93. So mine dropped to 72 during the night with 55 liters of oxygen on me, sleeping and not exerting any energy. So that kind of threw things, you know, out of control and, you know, the, the, the medical team, you know, had to do something different. I didn't want to be on a ventilator. I'm like, Lord, I know you said you're going to heal me. Can you please heal me some other way other than having to be intubated, right? I just, you answered the one, I know you're going to answer the one prayer, but, you know, if I can avoid that, that would be awesome. Um, and, you know, Easter Sunday morning is when my wife got the news, and, you know, it just really shook her up, shook my kids up. It kind of rippled, had a ripple effect through my family. Many of you guys, you know, knew about this and were praying for me, and I'll get to that part in my testimony. So thankful for, for, for those prayers because they were felt. Um, but in that, in that moment, that, that, that Sunday, you know, one of my wife's friends got her, you know, you know, her friend organized a sort of a prayer vigil. And a lot of folks came to friends, family, neighbors. Many of you came to the hospital. were standing in the courtyard praying for me. Um, which, what a testimony that is, by the way, right? And a lot of, of everything that happened has to do with, I think, the testimony, you know, not just of an individual's life in a circumstance, but the testimony of the church coming together and the community and the food that was sent to the medical staff and the scriptures that were on my, you know, all, my, all over the um, hospital room that, that the medical staff came in to see. I knew that there's something was bigger than me was going on and, and I know many of you were, were part of that, but um, that Sunday um, really shook up my family. So I'm going to fast forward now to Tuesday. Um, my wife arranged for Pastor Dave to come and um, pray 
over me. Um, just as it's talked in, in the book of James, and the scriptures talk about praying for the sick and anointing them with oil. So Dave came with oil. You know, it was around 10.30 in the morning, and he said, Jim, you mind if I pray? I said, of course. Or probably more like, well, of course, Dave. You know, some, you know, barely, barely audible, but yes, please pray. So as Dave started to pray, and, and as he touched my forehead with the oil, simultaneously to that, um, I felt deep in my chest a very physical very distinctive, um, uh, very real and, and powerful, what I would call a tickle. It, it was a pleasurable experience, in, and I felt, I really feel it was the finger of Christ touching, you know, my lungs and beginning the healing process. I think the Lord touched me, and, and, and he didn't heal me instantaneously, um, you know, with my knuckles, like, you know, like a, he would a leper or opening my eyes for the blind. It wasn't instantaneous but it was certainly miraculous. He was present there, and he, he was basically bookending the promise he gave me. That Wednesday, he told me he was going to heal me, and that Tuesday, when Dave prayed, he did. And I'll never forget the feeling that that had happened. Um, but I, didn't, I, wasn't out, I wasn't out of um, the hospital at that point. I, I still had another you know, three weeks to go. And um, the Lord wanted, I think, the reason I think he wanted my healing to be miraculous but not instantaneous is because he needed to do work, more work in my heart. And there were people in that hospital that needed to hear about the gospel, that needed to know the love of Jesus Christ that maybe had never heard it before. And I started to become a bit of a vessel for that. As I'll, as I'll talk to you in, in a moment. But, but I put the scripture up here. I'm not going to read the scripture. Hopefully you read it. You know, that was kind of the point where I was at, where the Lord, you know, the Lord, you know, promised his healing. Um, I kind of sectioned this, you know, as to, as to the areas where um, I feel like the Lord was doing a work in di different, you know, a tra transformative work in different areas of my life. And the first was for me, you know, personally. Um, and this, you know, obviously this scripture, all things are permitted for me, but not, not all things are of benefit. Um, th this scripture really kind of spoke to, you know, maybe some of the complacency, some of the habits that I had developed in my life that, that, didn't, that maybe I had the freedom to, to, you know, partake in, but really didn't align really well with someone following hard after Christ. And so things that he, he began to, you know, began to talk to me about was no, no more walking on both sides of the fence, Right. Um, no more crappy TV shows, right? I was watching stuff on the CW channel. You know, it's all PG-13 stuff. I'm looking at, 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 uh, at um, um, Pastor Jay Button here because I remember the Renz Retreat a couple, couple, week, couple years ago. I was actually, you know, watching one night in, in the, you know, one night of the, at the men's retreat. You know, I had my headphones on late and I was watching an episode of something, you know, on the CW channel. Um, so, you know, I just, it was out of balance is the problem. And, you know, I was watching shows like Batwoman, Legends, Supergirl, Riverdale, Roswell. I don't know if any of these shows resonate with you. I'm mentioning them only to give you kind of a, some context. These shows, like I said, they're PG-13, but they promote teenage rebellion. They promote sexual promiscuity. They promote, and they attempt to normalize the gay lifestyle. Uh, Batwoman, the lead actress, you know, you know, the lead, you know, character in that show is a lesbian, and her, you know, every, all the characters around her, her girlfriend, like there's, you know, probably half the women are lesbian. And, you know, I would watch shows like that because I'm into the Batmobile and the Batarang and the technology and the storyline. But, and I would always say, Lord, you know what, I'm not into that other stuff. You know, got that under control. I'm not interested in that. I'm not watching it for that reason, but I was still putting my eyes before vile things, right? I was still letting some of that seep in, and the Lord said, yeah, you know, make a choice. You know, I mean, what, do you want to live in the kingdom world, or do you want to live in this world, right? Get off the fence. And so those shows had to go for me. They had to go. Um, I, I was living, you know, kind of very unbalanced in my activities. I love chess. I don't know if any of you guys play chess. I haven't played chess since, since the hospital. But I, will, I would always have 10, 12, 15 games of chess going online at any given time. I'd be up to 3 o'clock in the morning playing online chess. Chess is not a problem, okay? 
spending more time playing chess than studying the Word of God, that's a problem. Okay? It became a problem for me. So, guys, we have lots of freedoms in Christ, but it needs to be balanced, and, and, and our activities need to reflect our priorities, the priorities of our heart. Um, you know, I was convicted around engaging more with church ministry. I was convicted about being a better example to my wife and children, um, being more available to share the gospel, which the Lord was giving me, starting to give me lots of opportunities for that. Working less, but working more focused, better health, eating, exercise, activity. Guys, I, I came in there at 286 pounds. I lived a pretty sedentary life. But part of the problem was gluttony. I would eat, and you can ask my son because he's on me on, he's got an awesome you know, diet and exercise thing going on. You know, he, he's my you know, mentor in that area. But, like, he'll tell you. I mean, I, I would eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, how much of whatever I wanted, I, you know, and then lay on a sofa and watch TV. Like, not good healthy-wise, not, not to mention spiritually. So the Lord was saying, you know, no, no more of this. No more of, of this gluttonous behavior. Um, less digging in and unforgiveness towards my wife. Um, you know, Sharon and I always been faithful, you know, like I said, in ministry together, walking through a lot of difficult times, walked through that trauma that I mentioned about together. But, it, you know, we, we were challenged. Um, we started to, like, hurt one another and wound one another and started to hold some unforgiveness toward, towards one another. Um, and so we were kind of locked in at gridlock on some issues. Um, the Lord was convicting me of that. And it wasn't, you know, but two or three days into my hospital stay where we were texting each other. I couldn't talk. I couldn't barely breathe. I couldn't talk well. But texting. You know, I forgive you, honey. You know, like, you know, we need to get this out of our marriage. I forgive you, too. You know, so, like, it was very transformative in our marriage, um, very heartfelt. And, um, you know, our marriage hasn't really been better. Uh, you know, not, not since the, the day we married. It's even better than it was after this experience. Um, but a deeper appreciation for those who are suffering and, and going through trials. I, I didn't know what it was like for guys like Angel or, you know, talking to Kenny, he was going through the same thing, you know, early, earlier this year, hospitalized for COVID. I, I didn't really have that sense of compassion, having gone through that kind of adversity. I have now a much, much more uh, deeper appreciation. Uh, repentance for lack of prayer. Like, I, you know, I went into that hospital, I said I was praying a little bit, mostly for me. Um, but by the time I got out of the hospital, I had a prayer journal that, I, that was out of control. Like, just praying for people that I was meeting on staff, praying for family members. And, you know, it's, it's, our, it's our tool. It's one of our, our weapons of, of armor, right, that, that we are supposed to be, as Christians, praying for one another. So the Lord was convicting me about that. Um, living, you know, in um, a less stressed, you know, more, less task-oriented life um, and, you know, you know, trying to be less anxious about things. And this is a big one, too, like being more consistent in the work, more consistent with my devotion, which even today, in all honesty, I struggle with, right, being in the Word every day in devotion, to the Lord, but, you know, I just, I would, it would be weeks would go by at times where, where I wouldn't, sometimes months before, where I actually, I mean, yes, spending a little bit of time in scripture, going to church on Sundays, listening to, listen, but actually in the word before the Lord in devotion myself, God was trying to change that too. He needed, um, he wanted a more consistent walk and a more consistent exposure to his word every day. So, um, and this is one you all appreciate right now, talking less and listening more. Um, you know, you might get that from your, from your wife at times, like, but he was telling me to listen more to people, uh, you know, and, and instead, of, instead of talking all the time. So I wanted to share those things, guys, with you. Um, you know, don't mean for you guys to be uh, depressed by any of that, or con or, or, but appropriately convicted, yes. Um, but I'm happy to talk to you about more of those types of things. But I just wanted to encourage you guys to, like, put off some of those things that, are, that might be hindering your walk. Um, the power of prayer... Um, you know, I, I, uh, I really feel like God answered so many prayers for me while I was in the hospital. That's not just for myself and my healing, but, you know, like I mentioned, I started a prayer journal. Dozens of prayers were, specific prayers were answered um, during my hospitalization, during my recovery. Um, and, you know, God was very faithful and generous. You know, even I remember praying, you know, like I told you guys, he, you know, he, he said, pray, you know, step out in faith, I'm going to heal you. I prayed, Lord, don't innovate me, right? I, you know, I was having trouble sleeping because of the steroids, you know, and I, I finally realized that I should be praying about that too. And one night where I was really struggling to sleep, I said, Lord, can you touch my mind the way I know you touched my lung? Can you, I need sleep, Lord. 
I mean, I, I was getting two hours of sleep a night, uh, and I was starting to worry that something called dysarthia would start to manifest. Because if I lack sleep and I, you know, I start to, you know, you know, get a little wiggly in, in my mind and I can't talk right, and, and that, that's happened before, and, and I was in the hospital for that years ago. But I'm like, if that manifests now, there's going to be a whole new battery of tests, and, like, it's going to freak everyone here and, and the medical team out. Can you spare me of that, and can you help me sleep? And, you know, within one minute, I'm not kidding you, with one, one minute of praying that prayer for the first time, I was dead asleep, and I had, like, one of the best nights of sleep in, 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 in over a week. Um, and I, you know, next thing I'm like, Lord, why have I not been praying this, right? So I prayed it the second night, within one minute, completely asleep again. Um, so I'm like, this is really cool. All I need to do is pray, and then the Lord's going to say yes, and I'm going to be, right? And I, it was the third day where I was, that, that doesn't really work like that. And I prayed a third time, and he said, my grace is sufficient. But again, I was in this feeling, I was in this kind of hyper-connected, you know, zone with the Lord, and it's like, I, he told me he wasn't going to do it. So not tonight, my grace is sufficient. So the communion was, was awesome. Um, like I said, I, I even long for that now. But, you know, I learned that prayer works. Prayer answers things. So guys, um, you know, let's pray for one another, right? Let's pray for others. Let's pray for, you know, our activities and, you know, just continue to pray for whatever the Lord, um, you know, might, might put on our hearts. And honestly, it only works if we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to be walking with him. We need to be in his word. We, we need to really um, be meditating, you know, and, and, and purifying our mind with his thoughts, not ours, to be connected, to even hear his prompting. And only that spontaneous prayer, praying for somebody who just popped in your mind, only works if you're talking with the Lord on a regular basis, right? So um, anyway, I prayed that I would be home, um, you know, in time to see my, my kids. I hadn't seen my daughter in six weeks. I hadn't seen, you know, my, my son in, you know, almost a month. My daughter was away at Cedarville. She had come home for Easter and stayed home. Um, and, you know, I, I missed my kids, and I wanted to see them. Now, she, my daughter had to go back to, to college and clean out her dorm and, you know, take her exams, right? And, and the timing that I was, you know, for the house to be prepared for me to be home because it, I had to have a bed downstairs. I was still on oxygen for, you know, almost a month when I got home. The house had to be prepped, so I couldn't get released too soon, right? Because they started talking about releasing me, and I'm like, okay, the house is my, you know, Sharon, the house isn't ready, so it can't be too soon. But, you know, the kids, Josh, Josh you know, good old, good old, great older brother that he is, was going to fly out w with my daughter, help her clean out her room and load the car, and then drive her car home. And, you know, my parents are going to meet him out there and, you know, help drive him home. But, like, their flight was Wednesday night. So I'm in the hospital on Monday wondering, I can't get released today, but, you know, if I get released Thursday, I won't, I won't see my daughter before she flies back. The Lord answered that prayer. I ended up getting released Wednesday morning. I came home. We had a picnic in our, our living room on the floor. I mean, I'm on oxygen, but like some of the best conversation that we ever had as a family. Literally, the, the most best dialogue was all about the Lord and what he was doing and what the Lord was doing in each of our hearts through this experience. So that was an answer to prayer. Um, I asked the Lord not to, you know, to spare me of any residual scarring in my lungs uh, or muscle damage. Um, from this COVID illness, um, and that I ultimately would be off all medications because this temporarily damaged my heart. At the time, I didn't know if it would be long-term or not. I was on me medicine for arrhythmia. I was on medicine for tachycardia, you know, which basically means your heart's not beating right and it's beating too fast, um, all due to COVID. And there was a chance that this was going to be a, a permanent situation. So, Lord, please, I, like, I want to be back running on the treadmill. I want to be, be able to swim again. I used to swim in high school. You know, please answer this prayer. And, you know, on 9.30, September 30th, this was right before the men's retreat, I was completely off all COVID-related medication, including my heart medication. So, and that's true today, another answered prayer. Um, so, guys, in, in general, we need to pray more boldly um, and be mindful of spiritual warfare um, and putting on that full armor, again, outlined in Ephesians, right, where prayer is a huge part of that. Overwhelmed for, uh, for Thanksgiving, for Thanksgiving um, or just overwhelmed with gratitude and th thankfulness, right? That's another thing. I just was very thankful, you know, you know, for this circumstance, not for the COVID, but thankful for everything God was doing in my life as a result of it, right? The transforming me, transforming, you know, purging things from my life that needed to be purged, um, you know, the work he was doing in my son's life, my daughter's, my wife's. 
Um, a deep appreciation for the body of Christ. I mean, Grace Point was huge, showed up a, in a big way for me. Um, and really just, you know, so solidified that this is the place where I belong. Um, and, and you guys just did, and your wives sending, you know, preparing meals, sending food to the hospital, you know, showing up in parking lots, you know, holding up, holding up signs, you know, from the parking lot across the street, you know, that, that I could see, you know, God's got this, and this is all the staff sign, the staff signed this, um, this poster and gave me some scripture verses, but I had scripture verses, cards all over my, my um, hospital room, and, you know, Chick-fil-A was showing up for the staff, you know, and the staff would be blessed and come in and thank me, and I'm like, you're welcome, how are you, nice to meet you, can I tell you what just happened to me, and I would share the healing story, right, and depending on how much time that that, you know, nurse or doctor had, I would, I would say, hey, you know, are, you, are you a man of God or are you a woman of faith? And depending on that answer, then I could share. I met so many believers, by the way, through this process, but some that desperately needed Christ. And I was able to you know, be a vessel in, that, in that, those circumstances and privileged and so thankful for and praying, Lord, give me, send somebody else in here. Like, like, believe me, guys, what I was praying when I came into the hospital and what I was praying by the time I left the hospital were two completely different spectrums of prayer. But, you know, send somebody in here who needs to hear. And, you know, even to this day, some of those people are in my prayer journal. And, you know, I continue to pray for them and think about them. Um, so, I, you know, thankful for all, all that you guys, all the love from you guys, you know, by their love, you know, you know the world will know we are Christians. By our love for one another. There's not only one place in Scripture that I know of. Dave can correct me, shout it out, Jay, if I'm wrong. But the how the world knows that we're Christian. Is by our love for one another. So just look around the room, guys. You know, the investment that you see and, and that on display for the world is proof that we're Christians and that this thing we got going on, this gospel thing, is real, right? So just, just appreciate one another, um, you know, and, and just, just, just take, some, um, take some confidence and assurance in that that, that is not, that, that not only are you blessing one another doing that, but you're evangelizing by loving each other. Um, thankful for Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, for healing me. Thankful for Jehovah Jireh for providing for me and my family during that time. Thankful for Jehovah Nissi, my banner, and fighting for me that, during that time. Um, he, I, you know, Daryl will tell you, and he, he learned this song, you know, and, and you know, says he learned it because of, of what I shared. But The Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham. My wife introduced me to that song. It became my theme song. Um, the entire time I was on. Every time I hear it today, I cry. So I, I deliberately don't play it because, you know, I kind of want to get through life without, but every time I hear it, and every time Daryl plays, I'm up, right? The battle belongs to him, right? This is nothing, nothing he did for me, nothing that happened to me had anything to do with anything about me, not even faith. And I say that because the Lord healed people in the scripture that lacked faith. The Lord healed people who didn't ask to be healed. The Lord people healed people the Lord healed people who asked to be healed, and the Lord, and he marveled at times at the faith of people that stepped forward and asked him. But there's no, there's no formula, guys. For me, in this moment, he asked me to step out in faith, and I did. But I could not have done that. Faith itself was a gift. So there's, there's nothing that happened to me at all, or that any good thing that happens to any of us, that we, we really can claim we had anything to do with. It's because of God and his goodness and grace that anything good happens to us. Um, but all I'm saying is be connected with the Lord, and if the Lord says, move forward, trust me with something, exercise that faith he's asking you to do it. And he wouldn't ask you to do something he didn't give you and prepare you for. So if he's asking you to exercise the faith, that means because he gave you, his Holy Spirit, through the power of his spirit, he, he gave you sufficient faith in order to exercise it. So all it is is it's about walking with him obeying him, and listening to him. It might be different the next time, right? You, 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 know, you don't know what he's going to ask you, so stepping out in faith, to me, it's all about being prompted by the Holy Spirit and being in a place where you can you know, respond to him. Um, thankful for just the loving support of my wife, um, you know, who showed me just unbelievable care, really lived out her vows for me. Like, she was at the hospital, you know, not when I was in isolation, but the moment she could, you know, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and, you know, Grace Point, again, was, was overwhelmingly gracious and generous with us, with her time, because during that time she wasn't able to focus too much on her job, 
Um, but she was with me and in the grind with me and living out her vows, blessing me in ways that I'll talk more a little bit about. But the Lord showed me, you're not, you don't just have a loving wife. You have a very wise wife, right? I was in, um, you know, First, first Samuel 25. Um, I happened to be in First Samuel, you know, First and Second Samuel. That's where the Lord had me during this time. So I was learning a lot about being a better father, about being a better husband. But he was also teaching me about my wife. And, and he was telling me, he, you know, and many of you have these wives, and please do not let their ministry to you go underappreciated. Okay? Your wife is probably more wise than you are giving her credit for. I'm saying this because that was true for me. My wife, very wise, very discerning. But the Lord said, you're married to an Abigail. And many of you guys are too. And just remember, the story in Abigail in, in, first, in, in, in um, first Samuel 25, right? You know, Abigail intervened. You know, on behalf of her very foolish husband, Nabal, intervened on his behalf to, you know, curtail and prevent that, that attack, the enemy attack that was coming, um, you know, against him, against his, him and his, his family and his village um, by David, who was pretty ticked off that, you know, the, the, the men of the village and, and Nabal would not bless him and, and, and provide for him after the protection he provided, right? The whole point is foolish husband, wise wife. And, I, and I, guys, I'm not guys putting you down. I know you guys have, you know, lots of wisdom of your own. All I'm saying is don't underappreciate or undervalue what you have in the woman God gave you, okay? Um, I'm going to skip through some of this. Um, Time-wise, how am I doing, Tom? Okay. All right, thanks. Um, so, you know, a lot of times, you know, I was thankful for the scripture verses the Lord gave me. Um, you know, again, I had a lot of them around the room. I was getting cards, you know, cards not, you know, not unlike this, this one from friends of ours, Little Ventures. This is Jeremiah 30, 17. I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, right? So that, that became sort of a pivotal verse for me. Um, but just thankful for the word and, and how those, those, those uh, you know, um, scriptures ministered to my heart. Um, so I talked a little bit about my wife. Um, let me just show you this, this video here real quick, guys. They're surprising you. That's why I'm going to do chair over there. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Oh, yay. So this is a little taste of um, some of the things I was thankful for. This was a day that my, my son and daughter, the first time I saw my daughter, the second time I saw my son out the window, but, you know, my son and my daughter and my, my sister-in-law came visited me in the hospital. Thankful for moments like that, which just really blessed me. Um, whoops, sorry, guys. Um, so, you know, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. In my case, um, you know, my, my wife, you know, I found a very good thing. Um, not, not to modify or add to scripture, but I found a very good thing. Um, you know, she, she not only showed up every day for, you know, almost 12 hours a day, um, and ministered to me in very phys physical ways. I mean, I needed help with the bathroom. I just, trust me, I don't, places I don't want to go. But reading scripture to me, um, blessing me with, with worship songs. And, you know, this, this is just talks, you know, about how um, many scriptures were very important to me at the time, but Psalm 91, particularly verses 14 through 16. She sent this goodie bag in for me at one time, but she personalized it for me, right? You know, you, she, you know, her, you know, her encouraging exhortation, exhortation to me was, you know, the Lord's going to deliver me, right? Because I've set my love upon him. He's going to deliver me. He's going to um, um, set me on high, answer, you know, answer, answer me. He's going to be um, with me in trouble, um, deliver me. He's going to, he, you know, he's going to honor me and he's going to, with, with long life, um, you know, satisfy me. And he's going to show me salvation. Eight things that the Lord's going to do, do for me simply because I set my affection on, on him, right? And that's Psalm 91. Now, this verse is also obviously very prophetic. You know, it, it talks about, you know, it's the, whole, the passage is largely prophetic about the Lord. But, guys, you know, I had a wife who was willing to read to me and, you know, personalize this for me. Um, and, you know, don't underestimate, again, the power of the word and, and the, the vessel that your wife can be for you. And... You know, this, this mess, this psalm particularly spoke right to me. 
Um, I'm the high priest of my home, you know, and I, and I need to start acting more like it. That was a, one of the things that the Lord, the Lord showed me. Um, and, you know, be not just a better, better, better husband, but, but a better father, right? Um, the arrow's in my quiver. Um, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, right? They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Um, you know, so, so are the children of one's youth. So, you know, God was doing an amazing work in my life and telling me that I need to be a better father and maybe hold my kids a little bit more accountable when they start to, you know, deviate where they shouldn't go, particularly around accountability and respect for my wife, respect for their mother. Um, but, you know, they each have their own story. On, on April 8th, Josh, my son Josh came down with COVID. Um, and, you know, tested positive um, the same day. But he had been praying. Um, he had been praying. He got to the point where the Lord, he, was, he had fasted for me for, for like 36 hours. He was praying, kneeling, you know, in, in prayer. Um, and, you know, he, he, was he actually asked the Lord. And again, remember, this is Easter, right? He's praying like, you know, from Sunday to Wednesday when I took that downturn. He started to pray, Lord, you know, if I can in some way take some of the burden off my dad. I'll take some of that. Remember that? And he wrote a song about it, too, which is just amazing. Probably don't have time to play that for you today. But where his heart was during that song, I'm going to not play the song, but um, this is a little bit, some of the lyrics. You know, where his heart was, um, you know, in, in pink here, like, all I can do is pray. He, his genre is rap, and he's really good at it, but so this sounds a lot better when played, but, you know, all I can do is pray. Um, God wants to, you know, teach me a lesson. Um, I'm going to pray to God that dad, dad gets better. I need to learn to be patient. I know you're going through the battle, but you're not alone. Um, this song was ministering to me and has ministered to me in ways you couldn't believe, but these are the things that it's putting on my son's heart. Um, I put my Sunday best for you. I fasted for you. Keep my head up. Um, you know, even in your deep, even when you're in the deep and, and going through this trial and tribulation. Um, steady praying on my knees. Praying to God that, that'll, that who would make your burden mine. Right? Taking the pain and suffering from you um, and make it mine. And I would do this again so that I know you wouldn't be the victim. Does that remind you guys any, anything? It reminded me immediately of the, of the prayer that Christ prayed in the Gethsemane. You know, when his father was burdened, you know, uh, uh, to save the world and had a mission for his son that his son willingly accepted, took the father's burden. Um, so Josh was praying these kinds of things. I'm thankful for that. Um, you know, the confidence that, you know, I'll be back again and that, that he answered the prayer that I wouldn't be, have to be ventilated. Um, that I'd be coming home. Um, belief that I wouldn't be alone. Believe that God will work it out because he is on the throne. Okay, so, I, you know, again, doing a transformation work in my son's life, these are some of the parts of the song that I love the most. But interesting enough, he prayed that prayer. You know, started praying that prayer on Wednesday. On Thursday, or Sunday, on Thursday, he was diagnosed with COVID. Which doesn't that sound like, you know, what's the big deal? Well, he was the only one. He was with his sister. He was with his girlfriend. And his, and his, his best friend and his girlfriend, the night before, he was tested for COVID in very close proximity to all these people. Not one of them got COVID. He got COVID. Now, he didn't pray for COVID, but I told him afterwards, like, son, you know, be careful what you pray for, right? Because the Lord just might answer your prayer. And so I believe that that was all part. Your prayers, his prayers, his fasting, you know, and his willingness. And I think the Lord did answer that and shifted it. And this all happened the time, the time frame. I was also put on what's called a non-invasive ventilator. One of those pictures showed that. I still have a little bit of a scar from that. That was part of the healing process. But the timing of all that, Dave's prayer... You know, his anointing, my son's prayer, your prayer, prayer works, God was at work here, and nothing is going to stand in the way of our great and almighty God. When he wants something done, it's going to happen. So I wanted to share that with you, and, and maybe I'll, I'll try to go real quick here, uh, Tom. Um, no, 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 I'm not allowed to play it. I'm not allowed to play it for you. Um, Josh isn't ready for that. It hasn't, hasn't been actually released yet. So um, I want to I just, you know, my daughter also. Um, I, at one point, having got out of the hospital, still going through recovery and still, you know, having some 
difficulties and, and, and uh, you know, some un uncertainties, uh, they found a mass in my, my lower right lung that wasn't there. The whole time I was in a hospital, didn't show up on CAT scans or x-rays. I suddenly had this mass, and there was a p potential that it was cancer. Um, so, you know, that, again, sent a ripple through my family. This was, this was in, in August, August of this past year, a couple of months after I got out of the hospital, and the CT scan showed that I might have, I might have cancer. So what, you know, I, that, again, a ripple effect. I only shared that with my parents and my kids, and the effect that it had on my, my daughter was pretty profound. She goes upstairs in her room the day she, we got this news. The very day we got this news, she goes up into her bedroom. Now, Gabrielle is much more, you know, disciplined with her devotions than, than I ever was or is, and she gets that from her mom. But sticky notes all over her room on the armoire, her bookshelf, dozens of sticky notes of things that the Lord shows her in devotion. She writes them on a sticky note and sticks them on the, on the desk bureau, on the, on the bookshelf side. One fell on the floor. Just one out of dozens of sticky notes fell on the floor. Right? My daughter, brokenhearted, Lord, what's going to happen to my dad now? Is he going to have cancer? So let me just read what, what she said about this sticky note. This sticky note fell from where it was hanging this morning. Out of all the sticky notes that are hanging inside it, this one happened to fall today, after over a year of never falling down. This reminded me that no matter what happens with Dad's health, God is still working and writing his story. Even if something else bad happens, God healed Dad before for a reason and is clearly not done with him yet. Praying for the best, but I was comforted by the reminder that God is the best author and whatever happens is part of the story God is creating. So now my daughter, the Lord blessed my daughter, building confidence in her that I told you I'd heal him. My, his story is not finished. So, Gabrielle, take refuge in me. Trust me. And, by the way, go encourage your parents right now. And, you know, so um, I just, God showed up in, in, in huge ways um, that, I'll, that, I'll, that I'll never, ever, ever forget. That will be a witness, you know, for the rest of my life, um, and not, not just to me, but to my family. Um, he works, and he continues to work, and, and when he purposes something to do, he's going to do it. He's a great God, and he's, he's very, very good. Um, so I'm going to skip through this. Lessons learned. Okay, we're, we're an epistle, guys. Um, you know, clearly you're an epistle of Christ. And he, he's written, he's given us his spirit, he's written his word in the tablets of our heart. And... He wants us to live for him, right? You know, take time. Talk to the guy, the, the, the person across from you at the gas station who's pumping. You know, be open and receptive. We're all in a hurry. Trust me. I get it. I work way too many hours. I'm back in this sort of working a little bit too much than I should be. But just be sensitive. Pray for opportunities. Pray for, you know, be, be willing to be engaged, um, you know, in, you know, in, in, you know, in people's lives. And, guys, this whole COVID thing, that we're very, very, very sick of. Now we got the Omicron variant, right? You know, we're, we're, you know, we're just, God, when will it ever end? But you know what? I think he's using this pandemic, at least for the church, as a wake-up call. I know it was a wake-up call for me. And it's really, it's kind of a, it's a Braxton Hicks, if you think about it. Um, a birth pang of what's about to be unleashed on the world, right? You know, and I don't, you know, regardless of what your eschatological you know, position is or what you believe about when the rapture will happen, clearly this is a, sort of a predecessor of what's yet, yet to come. Um, and I think we just need to take every opportunity um, to share what God's doing in our hearts and, and to see this sort of this, this, this COVID thing as an opportunity to minister to others, to help sow word and truth into people's <laughs> lives, to point them to Christ, um, and to purge things in your life that might need to be purged. Again, he's about interruptions, and the gospel's about interruptions. So, so being willing to be that, that epistle is, um, you know, is what's key. You know, for me, <clears throat> you know, there's no status quo either for, for Christian marriage. Um, you know, it's just like our relationship with the Lord. You know, we're either getting closer or further apart. And I can tell you that, you know, years of, um, this, is part, this is under the topic of lessons learned. So, you know, um, you know, years of count marriage counseling, you know, all through that trauma, it helped somewhat, but nothing helped the way this adversity that the Lord 
when the Lord steps in and is ready to move, it fixes things, right? And it really changed my wife's and I's heart, and uh, we just have a renewed passion and a deeper commitment for each other. So I'm just going to conclude now. Tom's like, thank God. Um, so ashes to beauty, right? So let me just read this verse. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. It's Isaiah 61.3. So he not only breathed life back into my lungs, guys, but um, he, you know, into my very soul, into my marriage, right, into my relationship with my kids, my family. Why? So that we can live vibrantly for his glory. Right? That's why he did this, right? That's why, you know, that's why I believe that I, was, I got COVID and why I went into the hospital and why I was brought to death's door was so that he could transform my soul and make me into a person. He turned my bitterness into sweetness. I want to love people more now than I did before. I want to have the heart of Christ towards people more. You know, I want interruptions in my life. And as I shared with you in the beginning, if given the opportunity, I wouldn't go back, right? This, you know, this adversity changed me. It changed me for the better. And I would, I would choose this again. I, would choose, I don't want it again, Lord. No. But I would, I would not have choose to go through it, right? Because he, he just did, did so much for me. A um, couple shots here of my homecoming. Um, this one picture here. Um, the hospital sees very little success. When you get to the point and you're on this floor of the hospital and you got, get into as desperate a situation I was, like I said, 95% of the people don't make it out of that situation. So they're so encouraged when they see somebody respond to their therapy and the respiratory therapy. Um, and they line up on the halls as you leave your room and they clap for you. And that's what's happening here in this picture. And even that, I'm like, I'm like thank you, everybody. You guys don't know. Like, I quieted them down. I'm like, I have to thank you. And so I thanked them, and then I prayed for them. You know, and I prayed very boldly for them at that time. Something that I wouldn't do, have done going into that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm just this, this memory of what God did and then how, how this had an impact on other people's lives. There, there I am coming home in the car, my wife excited to drive me home. She was so nervous because of the oxygen I had and all, but God bless her heart, my kids. So this was just an amazing homecoming. Um, he's my way maker. He's your guy's way maker, right? For me, he split the sea, and I'm, I'm not, I know, I know uh, Steve last, last month sung for us. I don't have his voice, so I'm not going to try to sing this, but this is, this is from that song by, by Bethel, Bethel Music, um, you, know, you know, that I'm a child of God. He split the sea for me, guys, you know, so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. My Lord Jesus rescued me so I could stand and sing, I am a child of God. So, thank you, guys. Jim here without at least giving an opportunity for a little Q&A if anybody has any questions that they may want to throw his way. So, floor is yours. Yeah. Do you have any after effects? Physical? Yeah. I don't now. I'm, praise God. I'm 100% I'm you know, recovered. You know, I, actually, I was not right now. My son's been on my case get back, getting back to the gym. But, um, you know, walking, you know, back in September, I started walking two miles. I started running in the cul-de-sacs, you know, which was something I was, wasn't even doing before COVID. So the Lord restored me, you know, you know like he did with Job. You know, it, he brought adversity, then he restored him better than he was, right, the scripture says, right, tenfold. He restored me to a place that I'm fully recovered and doing things that I wasn't even doing before COVID. So now, and praise God. What about the cancer? Yeah, good question. Um, so that turned out just to be inflammation. Yeah, I, again, I, don't, I, I think the Lord allowed that to happen, again, just to grow our faith. Um, I think Dave had a similar experience. He was sharing with me, you know, you know, a mass that's in your lungs that, you know, could be cancer. But I had to go through a series. I actually had to get biopsy. You know, the x-ray showed it. The CT scan showed it. A PET scan showed it. But none of that, you know, proved that it wasn't cancer. I had to actually go in and get a biopsy. I remember praying the day before that with Dave about it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it was just 
benign and you know apparently just inflammation so Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Jim, you, you mentioned about spiritual warfare and, and just the fact of, of how the Lord has really kind of brought you to a, a new chapter in Himself. Um, have, have you sensed anything of the attack of the enemy and the fact that you want to be more sold out for Christ as, as a result of that? Um, attack from the enemy, how, how about daily? I'm sure you guys know that, right? Um, yeah, there, there's a constant challenge, right? And, you know, it's a bit of a struggle for me because I don't want to get back ever again into that unholy rut, right? Um, so, yeah, it's a struggle to be in the Word every day. And I'm not, honestly, I'm, I'm still not back to the place where I am every day. And, you know, and I go into my prayer journal. You know, I, I really started journaling um, through this experience. Again, another suggestion to Dave's. But, um, you know, I, you know, two days will go by, three days will go by, and I'll have a sad face. Like, Lord, I, you know, what, what, what did I just do for two days? And I didn't, you know, it's not that I don't talk to him, but it's like what I'm talking about, guys, is that deliberate time, right, where you get your cup of coffee and you open up the Word and you go through whatever devotion you are going through and allowing, putting yourself in a place to, you know, for the Lord to speak to you. What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do this week? How can I bless you, Lord, and, and thank you for who you are? Um, I can tell you, honestly, since I've been out of the hospital, every time I get in the Word, he shows me something. You guys have the same story. Every time, and oftentimes, I'm brought to tears. Like, so it's, 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 it's the best investment you can make every day. And why my thick stalk can't get it into me? It doesn't matter what's going on. You really should do it every day. And, and again, this isn't about being condemned, but maybe a little convicted. We all need to, to be in the Word. But he's full of grace. If you miss a day, if you're going through devotion, like, he, you know, he, he's, desperate. he's a desperate father that's in de desperate love with, with his children, right? And so it doesn't really matter to him. It matters to you because it can change your experience of living the Christian life if you're in it. You know, it's, it, he's not losing out. He's fully complete in and of himself, right? And he's always there, right, and ready, whether it's a day or two weeks. He's ready, you know, to hear from you again. Um, but I'm just telling you that you would be much better in your spirit, how you're talking to your wife, the guidance you're giving to your kids, um, you know, if you're in the Word every day. Jack, you're miracle lover. <laughs> Jack's got a question up front. Go ahead, Jack. So you, your daughter is, a, is one of my teachers in the kids' club. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, she, she loves working with guys like you, especially that those of you that are on fire as you are, Jack. I remember you gave three testimonies, you know, during Thanksgiving service yeah. about... Two? Okay. Well, maybe I was thinking you were going to go up for a trifecta. I don't know. <laughs> but those two times you glorified the Lord and you, you shared with all the adults, right, in that room, right, what God was doing in your life and how he does work miraculously. And he does. He's powerful, isn't he? Yeah. You still love miracles, right? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Any final questions for, for, for uh, Jim before we wrap up? Thanks, guys. Uh, I want to thank you again, Jim. Thanks.